bulletin to the middle, we're going to be continuing uh, um, a series we started a few weeks ago in Colossians. And um, Paul wrote this letter to the church at um, Colossae, and he had never been to this church. He didn't found this church, uh, but he loved this church, and they... He had heard about them and their faith. He had heard about them and their love for Jesus and their love for people. And he wrote them a letter to encourage them uh, to keep the faith. And what we have in Colossians uh, is Paul's encouragement to a church that was being tempted to um, stray. And they were being tempted to stray from Jesus. And we'll get more into that as we go through the series. But Paul starts his letter out. We looked at this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. He starts out his letter and he says, you know what, I've been praying for you guys ever since I heard from you. We talked about the importance of praying for people. Let me just tell you, God works when we pray. God works when we pray. Uh, it's not just that prayer works, God works when we pray. And, and so he says, I've been praying for you. And he says, I've been praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God, or the knowledge of God's will specifically. That you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I want you to know what God wants you to do. I want you to know God's will for your life. I want you to be full, filled with that. And he said, then so that, not just so that you can have this knowledge of the will of God so you can go tell everybody or have the, the just the, uh, you know, feel good about yourself because you know what God wants. Because I want you to know what God wants so that you can live your life like God deserves or like Jesus deserves. And, and literally, Jesus deserves our lives. He is worthy of us living our lives for Him. He is worthy of being your purpose for existence. He's worthy of that. He, and let me just say that again because you didn't get it. Okay, I'm not just preaching something. I'm telling you, Jesus is enough and sufficient to be your purpose for existence. Like you're not going to live for anything greater than Jesus. He is worthy of you losing everything for. In fact, Paul said, I lost everything for the sake of Christ. And I'm proud of it. I'm thankful for it. I gained Christ. He said, he said, if I lose everything, if everything goes away, if I gain Christ, it was worth it. Now, Paul said that. Paul had a lot of stuff, and he did lose it all. And so I want, I want to encourage you, Jesus is worth living your life for. And then Paul goes into why. And last week we talked about one of the reasons why Jesus is worth living your life and surrendering your life and giving your life for. And that is because of who Jesus is. And we talked about that last week. We said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Do you remember that? That, that's pretty impressive. Nobody else can say that. Now, we were all made in the image of God, but, but Jesus is the exact representation of God. He, if you're going to look at Jesus, Jesus said you've seen the Father, you've seen God. He is the firstborn of all creation. We talked about that. That didn't mean he was created. That means of all the things that ever, that ever has uh, uh, entered in. Remember we said Jesus entered into the creation through the incarnation. 
And so he is the highest of all creation. He is before all things. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's preeminent. And in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We talked about who Jesus is. So Jesus is worthy of your life because of who he is. Today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is worthy of your life because he's wonderful. Last week we talked about Jesus is worthy. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus is wonderful. Here, here's the difference. Um, if you get pulled over by a police officer, you get pulled over because of who he is. Like you pull over and stop because of who he is. You, you pay the, the, the check for your ticket because of who the government is. You, you, you know that they have authority and power because of who they are. But that doesn't mean you think that guy that pulled you over is wonderful. I got pulled over when I was, I think, 17 years old in, uh, in Lincoln County. I was coming home from seeing Carrie, and I got pulled over from a cop. <clears throat> and I did not think he was wonderful. State trooper. To be honest, to be honest, I heard a little while, because he was a jerk. Now, I did have Alabama all over my car, okay? <clears throat> but I was speeding. I deserved to get pulled over, but I pulled over. And later I, later, I found out that he had gotten into some trouble, and I was tempted to go serve him right. <laughs> tempted because he was a jerk. <clears throat> but anyway, that's, I, you, I did not think he was wonderful, even though he was worthy. He was worthy of me pulled over because of who he was, authority. But he was not wonderful. Jesus is both worthy and wonderful. So that, that's what makes it awesome. So here it is. You can serve Jesus not just because you ought to, and you ought to. Even if he's not wonderful, wasn't he would deserve it because of who he is. But that's not all it is. He is also wonderful. And, 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 and it, it makes it a joy to serve him. This is why you should, should be thankful you get to serve Jesus today. And we're going to read it again, starting in verse 13, Colossians 1. says, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That would be Jesus. And then he starts about this beloved son. So Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to look at that today. He is. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things and in Jesus all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body of the church. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That in everything Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to God all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before God. Okay, so... A lot in there, okay? So we're not going to talk about the parts we talked about last week, what he is, but we're going to look at what he has done, okay? What he, and we're going to look at it in the sense of what Jesus offers. What does Jesus offer you and me that makes him wonderful to live for, wonderful to, to surrender our lives to? 
all right? Makes it be able to appreciate the fact that we get to surrender our lives to Jesus. Paul never resented the fact that God blinded him or that Jesus blinded him on the road to Damascus. He never said, Jesus, I was, my life was going so awesome. Why did you have to mess it up? Jesus was thankful that, that I, mean, I mean, Paul was thankful, thank you. Paul was, just saying if you're paying attention, Paul was thankful that Jesus messed his life up because he wasn't messing his life up. He was correcting Paul's life. So, so let me just say, Jesus never messes your life up. Uh, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and, and uh, um, this person was talking about the plans that they had, and, uh, and that God had messed, all, messed that plan up by this, and God had messed this plan up. And she wasn't really accusing God about it. She was just using that terminology because she had plans, and God met, did something different than she had planned. And so she kept saying, God messed my plans up. I said, I want you to get, get it now. God was not messing plans up. God was correcting your messed up plans. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus corrects your messed up plans. And I'm thankful that he does, and he does because he loves you. He does that for you because he loves you. But that's not what we're talking about today. But anyway, um, <clears throat> he does love you. He's, he's worthy because he loves you. But first of all, number one, in verse 13, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Verse 14, in whom, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Number one, what does Jesus offer us that makes it a joy to serve him? He offers us a remedy for our guilt. He offers us a remedy for our guilt. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, it was no problem. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. You ever said that and not meant it because it really was a problem and it was, really was a big deal? But you say it. Um, in the same way, God could not say it was no big deal and don't worry about it because it was a huge deal. Uh, our guilt is a huge deal. Our sin is a huge deal to God because God is a just God, and a just God deals with guilt. A just God does not allow a guilty person to come before him and him say, you go free. A, a just God does not let guilty people get off scot-free. Do you know that? That's, he doesn't because he's just. Let me, let me just say, if, if you're in here today and you murdered somebody and you came up before a judge and the judge said, okay, you murdered somebody, but don't worry about it. I'm going to set you free. Is that a good judge? What about, what about somebody that had, had, had molested a child and they came up before the judge and the judge said, okay, I know you did this, but you know what, I'm just going to let you go scot-free. Would that be a good judge? Would that be a judge? Is there something inside of you that says that's not right? There should be. And, and yet we expect to get before God and stand before him as guilty and him go, you know, that's no, no big deal. You, I'm just going to let you off scot-free. God does not just give us freedom from guilt. He doesn't just because he's a good guy. No, no, God remedied our guilt. He remedied it through Christ. Jesus offers us not just, it's okay, I won't hold it against you, but no, it's been paid for, therefore there's no debt anymore. Jesus paid for it. The reason God is just and the justifier is because he not only judged sin, which made him just, but he also provided the payment for the sin. Which made him makes him good, makes him merciful. Jesus is a remedy for our guilt. You ever felt guilty? You ever see the pictures of even dogs know what it feels like to feel guilty? You 
walk in the I'm sure if you've got animals, at some point you've walked in the house and you see a, a pillow torn up all over the floor and you look at your dog and your dog's hiding. That's guilt. <laughs> Even dogs know guilt. And, and, and I've been that dog. I've been that wretch that knew guilt. And, and guilt is horrible. Feeling guilty is terrible. I need a remedy. I want a remedy for my guilt. I want to get things out in the open. And Jesus provided that. David um, knew what, um, what a joy it was to be guilt-free. In Psalm chapter 32, or actually the 32, 32nd Psalm. It's just not in your notes, by the way. It's not even on the screen. But in Psalm 32, listen to what, Paul, uh, what uh, King David wrote. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. I want you to think about that. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is, yeah, blessed is the one whose transgression, whose sin is covered. David, how you, how many of you know David had some guilt in his life? He knew he had some guilt. We were going in with Grace Academy, we were doing a class, and we looked at two different psalms. In one psalm, Paul, I mean, King David, I'm going to get these names right, hopefully. King David was like, God, I want you to look at me, and I want you to, to notice all these people are attacking me, and I've done nothing wrong. Get them. That's what his prayer was in the Psalms. God, I'm looking, look, I've done nothing wrong. I stand before you completely free from sin and transgression. And I want you to search me and I want you to find that I am completely innocent and I want you to get them. And then, what was it, two Psalms over, three Psalms over, we see this same guy going, oh God, please have mercy on me. I have completely blown it. Don't look at me according to my transgression. Look at me according to your mercy. What do you think happened? What do you think happened in between? David had messed it up. And here's the deal. Even when he wrote the first one, he should have known better. When we mess up, all it does is reveal where our heart is to begin with. You follow your heart. It's just that. It's your heart is deceitfully wicked and should not be trusted. Your heart will lead you astray, and you need to know that and confess that. That if I follow my own heart, I will lead to destruction. I will, I will go into destruction myself and lead others into destruction. you got to know the, the wickedness of your own self. And that apart from Christ, I will mess everything up. But, but David, so David knew what it was like to mess everything up, but he also knew what it was like to have his transgression forgiven. To have his sin covered. Let me just say, Jesus is the only one that offers this. Now you look at David, how does he know it? There was no Jesus at that time. Even though there was, because he was before all things. He was with God in the beginning. There was a Jesus. But he had not come and lived and died and rose again yet. So how could, how could David's sins, how could God forgive David's sins when Jesus had not yet died on the cross? This is a little theological question that most of you probably haven't asked, but I just want to give you the answer for it if you ever do. God knew it was coming. God knew it was. That's why he did not destroy people at the moment of their sin. He knew Jesus was coming. And he gave them a way to be forgiven until Jesus came. What was that way? Sacrifices, animals. Animals were the temporary covering of sin until the permanent covering of sin could come along. But now that Jesus has come, there's no need for 
the temporary anymore. Anyway, so Jesus, now let me say, Jesus offers a remedy for guilt, and there's no other remedy for guilt offered. You're not going to find forgiveness of sin and removal of guilt anywhere else except Jesus. Why? Jesus paid the price for it. That's why you can't find it in any other religion. Because no other religion, no other religious leader, no other being paid the price for your sin. Jesus paid the price for your sin, and so he offers you a remedy. A remedy means a fix, okay, a cure. <clears throat> so, have you ever experienced that? That, 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 that Jesus has covered your guilt or removed your guilt? I have. Um, I was thinking about Peter. Jesus offered Peter a remedy for his guilt. He knew he was going to deny him three times, right? Um, and yet Jesus said, hey, when I rise again, I'm going to come looking for you. I'm going to come looking for you. Even though I know you're going to fail me, I'm going to come looking for you. I'm going to pay the price for your guilt, remove the guilt. And Peter felt terribly guilty. But then Jesus came and said, you know what? You're forgiven. Let's get to work. Let's go. Let's roll. You've heard that term, let's roll. Um, Dave Ramsey, how many of you listen to the Dave Ramsey show? Hmm? How many of you follow Dave Ramsey's financial advice? Raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand high. These are the people you need to ask for money, friends. They're the only ones that have it. Okay, those people right there, if you need uh, to borrow some money, they're the ones. <laughs> what? David Ramsey, David Ramsey Ashby. Uh, now, here, here's what I want you to say. Dave Ramsey has a thing on his show where people come in and where they've paid off all their debts, they get to come in on the show, and they get to, to count to one, two, three, and what do they yell? Yeah, we're debt-free. Ah, we're debt-free. And they like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it, they really, you know, show fireworks and all that stuff, but you hear that on the radio show. And uh, I, I just want you, that is a great feeling. I, one day I hope to know the feeling of being debt-free, but, but, but I know the feeling of being guilt-free. I know the feeling of being guilt-free, and it's good. And if you want it, Jesus offers it to you. No matter what you did, you couldn't be any worse than King David who wrote a great part of the Bible. <laughs> God didn't take it out when David messed up. Yeah, okay, we don't have time to go into that. All right, secondly. <clears throat> secondly, verse 16. For, okay, so again, first, he offers a remedy for guilt, forgiveness of sins. That's how guilt is removed because he forgave your sins. He died on the cross for it. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, okay, by Jesus. All things were created. So he created everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So let me ask you, what authority or ruler or spiritual uh, 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 power exists that Jesus didn't create? What about the demons? What about the devil? He created him. Now here's the deal. Why would he create the devil? You know, the Bible teaches, most people think that this story is, is talking about Satan. That, that, that there was a time when Satan had not fallen yet. And he was serving the Lord, serving God. He was he was living his purpose, living his calling, doing what was right. And at some point, he said, you know what? I deserve better than this. 
and Satan fell. And so most likely there was a time when whatever demons existed were, were serving the Lord as well. I don't know. I don't know the whole story behind demons. I've heard things. But I do want you to know that Jesus created them. That'll rock your world. But here's what I want you to know also. Jesus created mankind. And I dare to say mankind has messed things up a lot more than Satan has. I mean, Satan definitely got the ball rolling. Satan didn't make me do what I did. Like, Satan was not in the room there when I watched porn at a house I wasn't supposed to be at. It wasn't the devil sitting on my shoulder. It was the heart of Eric that was inside of me going to it. And Jesus created me and us. The problem is in the second half of the verse. All things were created by him. Because here's the deal. You think of God creating the devil or Jesus creating the devil and demons and you start to go, what were you thinking? How could you create the devil when you knew he was going to? But look at the second half of the verse. All things were created through him. And the last two words, and all things were created what? For him. There's the problem right there. The problem was not that they were created. The problem was that they left their purpose. They left their purpose for existing, their reason for existence. You and I have done that. We've done it. So the, the finger's not pointed at him. The finger's pointed at me. I wish I could point it at you, Sherry. <laughs> I wish I could. Sherry messed it all up. I blame it on AJ a lot. <laughs> Whatever happens bad, I'm like, AJ probably did it. <laughs> AJ's been out of town for three days. Yeah, it's probably him, though. I'm pretty sure. But that's all we want to do is we want to point the finger at God. You shouldn't have. You should have done something different. But really, really, it was we were created for Jesus and we hadn't lived for Jesus. That's really the problem. It's really the problem. Are you living for Jesus now? If not, you're still part of the problem. Oh, I know the president. Oh, I know all the Democrats or the Republicans or the governor. I know they're, all, those, all those people who are, you know, in the government officials, they're Ruining everything. All those, all those people in California. We ain't got nobody from California here today, do we? We have had. If you're from California, you're not there anymore. So we're not talking about you. But all those California people. You know, how in the world are they doing what they're living with what they're living in? Well, no, it's not them. It's not them. It's us. Everything was created for him. And when you leave your purpose for existence, when you don't realize you were created for Jesus... You mess everything up. And you lose your reason for living, your meaning in life. So the, 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 the second thing is he offers us a reason for existence. He offers us a reason for existence. King Solomon, David's son, knew about this. He, he got twisted somewhere in his life to where he felt like he needed to try out every pleasure known to man. He wanted to find happiness apart from God. He wanted to find um, how to just enjoy life. That's what he wanted to do. How do I find peace and happiness apart from God? He called it under the sun. But that's what under the sun means. Because God is 
above the sun, and we are under the sun. And he said, I, I sought out to find happiness under the sun. And I tried women, and I tried wine, and I tried uh, accomplishments, and I tried buildings, and land, and possessions, and I tried laughter, and fun, and I tried all of that, and it all was meaningless, is what he says, meaningless, vanity, that's what that means, meaningless, none of it had meaning, none of it had meaning, there is no purpose in life under the sun, apart from Christ, now here's the deal, what are you filling in that blank? You probably don't have the money of Solomon. In fact, nobody's had the money of Solomon. Nobody had it before or since, by the way. Richest man that ever lived. Smartest man that ever lived. Wisest man excuse me, that ever lived. Famous. And yet, and yet he realized life was meaningless apart from Christ. Now here's the deal. What do you feel in your life? Video games? Hmm? Food? That perfect cheeseburger. <laughs> If I could just find the perfect hot sauce, chicken wing, steak. Uh, that, that is true. I mean, or, or, you know, if I could just have the, the perfect, if I could just make it to Hawaii. You know, if I could just do the, uh, what is your purpose of living? If I could just pay off this house, pay off this car, buy a new car. If I could just buy a boat. If I could just get a hole in one, or whatever you get in disc golf, what is that called? An ace in disc golf. I mean, for real, what is your purpose for, if you had to say, I, right now in my life, I am living for this purpose. This is the driving purpose behind my life. Would the answer be Jesus? Now, I'm not saying you've got to be in church 24-7, that's not living for Jesus. That's not what Jesus wants, by the way. I'm not saying you got to pray 24-7 either. That's not what that means. Living for Jesus means when you're, when you're out at Walmart, you're living for Jesus at Walmart, and you know that. Like, I'm at Walmart right now buying toilet paper, hoping they have it. But my purpose in life is to, is to honor Jesus to, to show how awesome Jesus is. Now, here, here's the deal. Why does that matter in Walmart? It will change the way you treat that person that cuts in front of you in line. It will keep you from saying what your flesh wants to say because you know you're not there to defend Eric Lonis and keep people from cutting off Eric Lonis. You know you're there to glorify Jesus, to make Jesus look awesome so that people can have what we're talking about today. Remedy for guilt, reason to exist. You see what I'm saying? It, it, everything you do is connected with this desire to please and honor Jesus and to show people how awesome Jesus is. Working at the, at the what's your store called, Cole? High Five in Gurley. There's a free plug there. Today's sermon is brought to you by High Five in Gurley, Alabama, where you can get Great things for $5 or less, right? And, and 25 cents on Thursdays. How about that? All the stuff that Amazon, uh, uh, people didn't want sent back. You can buy for one quarter. Anything's worth a quarter, right? 
But don't go in the dumpster. They put oil in that. So anyway, that's not a, we talked about that. I'll pay a quarter if you can get it for free. Um, Cole was telling me about somebody he met at High Five yesterday. And uh, and the way he felt like God opened a door for him to talk to him about Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Like, like Cole was at work. He was at High Five. And he was at High Five for the glory of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Marvin's carry. Marvin's. You're not at Marvin's just for carry so you can make a living to, like, you're at Marvin's for Jesus. And you do. You show it. Your smile. Your Janita, same at Marvin. Chase, you, all of them, the Marvin's crew right here, right? Do y'all have to get the, are y'all off today? Uh, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's not like, well, I, I would love to live for Jesus, but I work at Marvin's. No, 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 no. You work at Marvin's to live for Jesus. That is, that's the mindset. It's a purpose for existence. I'm not just here to make $10, $12, $15 an hour. That's not the point. I'm here to glorify Jesus. And is that what you're doing? Is that what you're purposefully doing? And hopefully you are because that Jesus offers you a reason for existence that goes beyond Walmart or Marvin's or High Five or whatever it is. It's a great, and here's what Paul said, I Paul loved the fact that he was living for a cause that was worthy of him dying for. Anything else in your life is not. I'm telling you, even your fa- your wife and your kids fall short of the reason for your existence. You don't exist for your wife and your kids. You exist for Jesus. You were created for him. And if you remember that and live like that, you remember him and live like that, then you will you you'll you'll have meaning in life. No matter what comes your way, even if you lose your job. Um. So, we got that. <clears throat> Everything was created for Jesus. Every situation you are in, you are there to glorify Jesus. Every relationship you have, you have to glorify Jesus. Every opportunity to get to, to punch somebody in the nose, you got that opportunity. So not so you can punch them in the nose, but so you can honor Jesus. Everybody you come in contact with. All right, that's it. Everything else is meaningless. Jesus offers us a reason for existence. Thirdly, three out of four, halfway there. Thirdly, verse 17, in Jesus all things hold together. In Jesus all things hold together. So Jesus offers us, ready for this, resiliency in times of peril. Resiliency in times of peril. What does resiliency mean? It means you're not going to be torn apart limb from limb. He offers you the ability to keep it together, no matter, even when everything else is falling apart. I was thinking about David again. It seems like King David was kind of a good example of all these. But King David was constantly running to God for refuge. When, 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 he, when he was uh, serving King Saul and King Saul tried to pin him to the wall with a spear, remember that? What did David do? Well, he ran out, but he ran to God. He ran to God. Oh, God, this man who I'm honoring is trying to kill me. Please help me. Deliver my life from those that are trying to, 
to, to, to annihilate me? He ran to God. Um, when when uh, King David was looking for, I mean, King Saul was looking for King David, and the, the city that King David was in squealed. Um, what's the right word? Uh, uh, narked, uh, huh? Snitched. Snitched, I think it was what I was looking for. But anyway, all those words fit. Um, told, told, hey, hey, bud, hey, King Saul, David's here in this city. People, obviously, who David thought was, were his friends, and they, they betrayed him. You know what David did? He didn't slaughter all the people in the city. Probably wanted to, but he didn't. You know what he did? He ran to God. God, please save me. My friends have turned their back on me. When David sinned with Bathsheba, and Nathan looked at him, the prophet Nathan said, You are the man. What did David do? Fell on his face. God, help me. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. When his child with Bathsheba was laying there dying, David went and fell before the Lord and said, God, please help me and help us. When King David had, had uh, asked for a census and he God said, I'm going to punish you because you did what I told you not to do. I'm going to punish you. And he gave him a he, David fell down on his face. God, please forgive me. And, and here, here's the thing. That is running to him. Kept David together when everything was falling apart. Even when it was falling apart because he made a mistake and caused it to fall apart. So here, here's this. Sometimes we, we are okay with running to God when it's somebody else's fault. But when it's our own fault, we feel so guilty that we think God won't hear us. No, I'm telling you, God wants you to run to him for every occasion. And if you run to him, no matter if you're guilty or innocent, if you run to him, he will hold you together. He, he is the only thing that, will, that can hold you together when the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders. Run to him. He is a refuge. He is a present help in times of need. He will cause you. See what? He's like that. Like you might get knocked. But you will not get knocked over like that right there. You will hold still. He, he offers you resiliency. Here's the deal. No matter what comes your way, no matter what storm in life you're facing, no matter how much you lose, no matter if everybody that you care for falls by the wayside, leaves you, or dies, Jesus has the ability and he offers to you the possibility of Staying, standing strong, not being torn apart, not being destroyed. He offers that, and only he offers that. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, right? In him all things hold together. And then lastly, lastly, he offers us a restored relationship with God. He offers us a restored relationship with God. It says in verse 20, through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to God all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before God. Okay, so here, here, here's what, what he offers again. Sin separates us from God. The songs today, Nate and MK, uh, were, I, mean, I don't know which one of you picked them or both of you picked them, but it was so good, so right. We sang about this. 
We sang about this in praise and worship, the fact that our sin had separated us from God, and it does. And that may not matter to you, but it should. It should. It didn't matter as much to me. I guess I didn't feel it as much as I do now. I feel separation from God. When like, if I've done something and, and I know God's not, not pleased, I feel that separation. I don't like it. I don't like any relationship to have conflict or, or be, have, a, have a, um, a hindrance in it. But especially with, 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 with God. Why does it matter if there is a separation between you and God? If you are in here today and there is sin that is separating from you and God at this moment, um, so what? what? What difference does it? Well, here, here's the problem with that. Um, one big thing is there, there's coming a time of judgment, okay? There, there, a day of judgment is coming. And on that day of judgment, you're either going to be eternally with God or eternally separated from God. And if you are eternally separate, if you are separated from God at the point of facing your, your, your judge, facing God, if you are separated from God at that time, you remain separated from God. There's not a, you know, hey, give me five minutes and let me see if I can make this right. No, once you stand before him, the decision has been made. And you are making the decision now whether you want to live for eternity separated from God or you want to live for eternity with God, reconciled to God. Okay, you're making that decision now and when you get before God, He respects your choice. He respects your decision. But don't expect to live life separated from Him and eternity with Him. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If he's not worth living with right now, you're not going to be living with him for eternity. It's just not going to happen. You'd screw everything up. You wouldn't want to live with him in eternity. <clears throat> so Jesus offers you reconciliation to God. And he's the only one that does that. Why? He paid for your sin. Go back to the first thing, right? He removed the hindrance. What was the hindrance? My sin has separated me from you. And Jesus removed it. Jesus removed it. And going back to what... What David said, you know, I'm thankful. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. Why? Because the relationship with God is restored. I've lived separate from God and I've lived reconciled to God. And it's a lot better reconciled with God. A lot better. But it's only offered through Jesus. So here's, here's the, 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 the scary part, okay? So if you want those things, all those things are available through Jesus and only through Jesus. But without Jesus, let me just tell you what you are giving up. Without Jesus, you are guilty. Your guilt remains. You are in here today guilty. With Jesus, your guilt is removed. With Je That's why you can come before God at Judgment Day and Him go not guilty. Why? Your guilt has been remedied. But if you haven't got that remedy, if you're not, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you are guilty. And, and there are consequences to that. Not only are you guilty, you have no reason for existence. Not one that's solid. Not one that's worthy. We've, we've said over time and time again, Deion Sanders thought a Super Bowl was his reason for existence. And he won it 
and then that night tried to commit suicide. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like Muhammad Ali said, hey, I, I went for this, I, I reached the top of the world, and it was nothing. King Solomon said, I've tried all these things to fulfill my purpose, and apart from God, there is no purpose. It's all meaningless. So your life is meaningless apart from Christ. You're living for, your life right now is pointless. You're not going to be able to stand when the storm comes. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, like a man who builds his house on a rock, and when the storms come, it'll stand. Somebody hears my mind and does not, hears my words and don't, doesn't do them, when the storm comes, what happens? The house falls flat. If you're in here today and you're not, Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then, then there, there's a storm coming that's going to wipe you out. You, you don't have what it takes to hold yourself together. And then you don't have a relationship with God. You're separated from God. Apart from Jesus, there's a hindrance, an obstacle that, that you can't overcome. And so, so if you're in here today and, and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, all that's true for you. Guilty, meaningless, pointless, vulnerable. godless but good news Jesus offers the cure for all those things are you willing to make Jesus your Lord and Savior are you willing is he your Lord and your Savior right now if so you've experienced all those if not you can experience those things if you don't ever you will never experience any of those things. So let's close this morning with some soul searching. Guys, if you could come back up. <clears throat> that song paid the price for all my guilty. I, that I loved. I was singing that all week this week. Thank you. If you're in here today and you're not right with God, and I'm saying right with God through Jesus Christ. I'm not saying there's no other way to be right with God but through Jesus Christ. If you're not right with God through Jesus Christ and you don't have that release of guilt, that reason to exist, that resiliency in you that can stand any storm that comes and that relationship with God where there's no hindrance, Jesus has made the way to remove that. I want you to partake of that. We were in here a few months ago and I was struggling with something and Ken Pounder's Ken Pounder said, if you're in, if you're in here today and, and you're just saying, you know, God created me a clean heart. Created me a clean heart, oh God. Cast not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. God's ready to do that. And I just want to echo that today. If that's your heart, He's ready to do that for you. Would you stand with me as we sing? I just want to say the altar's open. If you want to come before the Lord, just spend some time with Him.